The following is a sponsored program on 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this program are solely those of the individuals or participants involved and do not necessarily represent those of Braden Madison Broadcasting or its employees. 100.7 FM, WHIN 1010 AM presents Sumner County Spotlight, a weekly public affairs program each Sunday morning at 10 AM. Sumner County Spotlight is brought to you exclusively by FNM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. FNM Bank offers personal banking, business banking, and mortgage loans too. FNM Bank is one of the top independent banks in Tennessee. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, MMLS number 518158. Here's your host for Sumner County Spotlight. Jeff Shannon. And good morning. Welcome to Sumner County Spotlight. Again, I'm Jeff Shannon. So nice to have you along here on this Sunday morning. And of course, our show is sponsored by FM Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard, right here in Hendersonville. We're so honored to have in the studio this morning. This is Scott Ryan. He's the commander of the investigative services right here at the Hendersonville Police Department. One of the best departments uh, probably in the state, I would think. Hey, Scott, thanks for coming in. Hey, no problem. I'm happy to be here. Well, any, any opportunity that we have to spread our uh, good news with the community, we're, yes. we're loving that. Well, we got a lot, lot of good news. and uh, So I guess you've been with the department for quite some time now. I've been here for 27 years now. Wow. Hopefully I have a few more to go. Or, you know, you'll never retire. Just stay at work. Yeah, I'm probably going to retire <laughs> at some point. <laughs> we're, we're not sure when, but yeah. it'll happen yeah. sometime. Well, that's good. So how did you start out with the uh, police department? I know we talked earlier, and uh, I guess back in the day, it was kind of real hard to get on here. I, I grew up in Nashville, and I attended college in Murfreesboro, and whenever I came out, I I started to look for a job. I decided that law enforcement's what I wanted to do. As I drove around the surrounding areas of Nashville looking for a nice, quiet place to work, I accidentally found Hendersonville. Fell in love with the place, just the the small size of the city, the rural areas, the interspersed. Of course, Old Hickory Lake was a main attraction. Uh, So I I decided at that time, I I, want to work for Hendersonville. Yeah, looked a lot different back then. It was very different back then. What year then. was that? That was in 1992 when I first started looking here. Wow. Yeah, I, we, you know, we were talking earlier. and I've been here, what, five, coming on six years now, and it's changed since, since I've been here. But, you know, you got you folks that have been around a long time. You've, you've kind of grown up with the place and uh, watched it grow and grow and grow and expand right in 1994 is when i was actually able to get on with the hendersonville police department and it was a a different world then Mm -hmm. you know it's almost like they rolled the streets up at midnight and Mm -hmm. everybody went to bed at the same time yeah so it was just uh, i guess main street was probably just two lanes at that point wasn't it uh, it was actually uh, the same size of Main Street at that time. There yeah. were literally just uh, two places open uh, beyond midnight, the mm-hmm. Waffle House and the Crystal. <laughs> Everything else shut down. You know, all those troublemakers down there. <laughs> yeah. well, you got to eat no matter what time of day it is. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's a tremendous, you know, what your department has done over the years. When you started, who was the chief at that point? The chief was David Key at that time okay. in 1994. Yeah. And the department had how many officers? We were about uh, half the size we are now, between yeah. 60 and 70 at the time. The divisions have probably increased, too. So you've probably got different departments now with the, in, within the investigative bureau. And, of course, did you have mounted the mounted patrol back then? 
Back then, we did not. Uh, we have evolved over the years. Uh, back then, it was essentially uh, a patrol division and an investigative division. Mm-hmm. So I guess what's next is the Space Force. Do you have a Space Force? You can go up and straight above us. <laughs> I, it could happen at some point. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that we're ready for that yet, but it could happen. Uh, and we get the chief out there piloting that plane. Uh, I'm not sure that would be a good idea. That's probably what he would say, too. I'm sure he would. (laughs) Over the years, what have you seen as been probably your number one problem in the Hendersonville area? Over the course of 27 years, there's not a number one problem. You know, there's there's such a diversity of crime that's taken place over the course of my career. I think the technological advances in society as a whole have created diverse crime patterns. It's made the world smaller. It's made criminals more able to move jurisdiction to jurisdiction, but it's also enabled us to develop better ways to catch those criminals. Mm-hmm. Now, simple personal crimes, one-on-one crimes, those are, are always with us. You know, domestic violence incidents, road rage incidents, incidents, that sort of stuff. But technology has made it where we can be victimized here in little old Hendersonville by Mm -hmm. somebody sitting in a call center in India. There's really a a diverse problem with crime. However, our department has evolved so well and developed new strategies. As the criminals get smarter and get better, we're constantly trying to stay one step ahead of them. Mm -hmm. And Hendersonville Police Department's done a wonderful job of being able to do that. And we're still to this day, we're constantly reviewing our practices to develop better strategies so that we try to stay one step ahead. And the technology has increased. I mean, back when I was in law enforcement, I I think we had one of the first cameras in the car, and it was the big VCR in the trunk. Right. right. (laughs) You know what I mean? And you had to click it on when you wanted to, you know, if you're doing a DUI stop. It's pretty much what they were used for at that point. But that's such antiquated technology now. It's uh, so far advanced now with body cams and all the other technology, the tag readers that track in these. And and that's been pretty a successful program for you is the, the tag reading. Absolutely. It's it's another set of eyes at critical mm-hmm. intersections within the city that help us keep a better watch when bad people are coming in and also uh, after something bad happens when they're That's going right. out. Yeah. We're able to stay on them. As I mentioned many times on this program, all the idiots out there that would think they're going to come into Hendersonville and commit crimes... You're going to get caught, and you will go to jail. We take it very serious. That's uh, right. Whether you shoplift a Snickers bar or you come up here and assault somebody. Yeah. We love our community. We love our citizens, and we want to protect them. We also want them to feel safe in whatever activity they may be engaged in in the city. Well, and, and speaking of technology, I mean, the public in general, I think, for the most part, now with these cell phones and the videos, everybody's videotaping everything. Case in point, uh, just the other day, there's a report right across the street here at Smashing Crabs, where they did a dine and dash, and they have all this video and the pictures of the actual people doing it, and they actually placed the money on the table, started to leave. I think uh, the girl went back and they picked up the cash and they took off. So it was kind of kind of distracting for everybody. Once they figured it out, they're going to turn all that footage, and I guess there's probably video as well, over to you guys. And they're going to get caught. Right. That certainly uh, has made our jobs easier with the amount of video out there and people that are willing, you know, whether it's uh, their own security cameras or they happen to be in the right place at the right time Mm -hmm. with a cell phone. People seem to be more willing to get involved to stop the bad actors. Uh, And and that's a a wonderful thing. I think that demonstrates uh, 
a high level of trust that our department has specifically within our community. And they know that we're going to work hard to mm-hmm. solve these issues. So you welcome uh, video footage that if people have any kind of coverage of an incident, you would encourage them to submit that. Absolutely. Uh, reach out to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the more evidence that we have, the more likely we are to be successful in catching the bad guys and prosecuting those bad that's guys. That's right. That's right. Just know you're being covered. You never know. <laughs> that's the thing. And you think these people would know that. But, you know, when are criminals smart? <laughs> You know, yeah, right. You know, well, if, if they were all rocket scientists, you know, we would probably <laughs> right. struggle to make some successful yeah. cases against them. But yeah. they're not. Yeah. Some of the, the stupidity is uh, amazing these days. But uh, but technology helps us. And, uh, you know, having a, a great bunch of guys and gals to work with and uh, in your department. And how many do you have uh, in the investigative uh, division? Currently, we have 14 detectives. Wow. OK, I think we had six whenever I started. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've. We've multiplied that by a good number. We have also uh, supervisory positions within there that are not included in that number. So in all, I have 17 who would be considered investigators. And the, the cooperation within the departments, I know, with uh, with the sheriff's office, uh, you, you guys got to work really close together. Sumner County is a special place for a lot of reasons. Uh, the relationships that we have between law enforcement agencies within Sumner County is Mm -hmm. second to none. Everyone is getting along. Everyone is sharing. We have two-way communication so that if one agency gets a a break in a case, they're immediately sharing that information with other agencies. Mm -hmm. We have shared technology now within Sumner County, which has really increased our ability and our effectiveness uh, to catch bad guys. Yeah, with the, with the state, I would imagine as well. I mean, they, they get involved in certain things. The, the THP and absolutely, uh, THP has troopers that are assigned to work within Sumner County, and we have great relationship with them as well. I'll tell you a story. <laughs> I remember I was sitting at a red light in Knoxville, and this was back in probably. 79 or 80 and i i looked over at the the highway patrol station and it just it it was one of those things that just hit me i never thought about this before but it just i looked over and said i want to be a trooper it just it hit my mind that well and and i'm in florida the florida highway patrol i was always impressed with them they had the greatest cars the greatest uniforms you know that kind of thing but from that point on that was my goal is to get into law enforcement just looking over and looking at the station and, the, you know, the people that were there. And I'm like, very impressed. And there I did it. <laughs> you know, I think the, the cooperation, I think, is incredible. And, of course, any kinds uh, of uh, events that happen, like within the department, officer-involved shooting, you're going to have TBI getting involved in that. You have that the state agency investigating. Right. TBI will help us out with anything we ask for. It's, it not necessarily has to be anything within the department. There okay. could be a criminal case yeah. that we need additional resources on, and they're more than willing to help us That's out. That's great. Well, I mean, it's always good to have, you know, from your, your perspective – if you need that resource that you know that's going to be there available for you. Right. Uh, and that's that's with other agencies within the county, uh, the state agencies, and we also have partnerships with federal agencies as well. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, one of our detectives is actually uh, a member of the Secret Service Task Force, which opens the door to mm-hmm. a lot of resources so that we can make things happen here sure. in Hendersonville. I know the city really supports the police department. You know, we have, uh, you know, representative, I think Steve Brown, one of the aldermen, is uh, 
you know, involved with, with you all and keeping up with the law enforcement and fire department uh, from, from a public safety standpoint. And so I know the support's there for you all. And, of course, we always like to have bigger budgets and to be able to get other tools and toys that we actually need for this. But I think the support is there. And you're really not suffering too much, are you? No. We, we see the support not just within the community, uh, but we see the support within all of our city leaders. Any one of them will tell you that public safety is a, a great concern for them and they listen to us whenever we express our needs whenever we see that technology has moved beyond where we're at and we need to grow further with it Uh, they listen to that and they find ways to make things happen for us so that we have those tools and they're doing their part to keep the community safe as well and what i see in hendersonville the political support from those city leaders the support that we receive from the community is second to nothing that i've ever seen yeah and that helps it it makes coming to work a very pleasurable thing it gives meaning to the service that each one of these officers they they put that uniform on every day and they come out here sometimes it's mundane tasks but it could be that uh in the next few seconds they end up in the worst situation imaginable it makes that worthwhile to know that your community is behind you your city leaders are behind you it gives meaning to what we do and hendersville definitely supports the police department there is no question about Mm -hmm. That in good times and bad times, the community recognizes the work that we're doing. They're not bashful about coming up and shaking our hands or even hugging us sometimes. Great. Uh, and saying thank you for your service. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, amazing. Uh, I, I told you before, I can sit down in a restaurant and I can't count the number of times that someone has recognized me as an officer. And next thing you know, my meal's taken care of. Wow. And I have yeah. no idea who did that. <laughs> Nice. Hey, we got a lot more to talk about. We'll be right back after these words. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. And we're back with Sumner County Spotlight with Jeff Shannon. We've been uh, talking with Hendersonville Police Department representative, and that's uh, Scott Ryan. He's a commander with the Investigative uh, Services Division. So we're talking divisions or tell everybody what specialized units you have and how it's broken down within the department. Sure. We have a patrol division, which is known as our field operations bureau, and they have uh, their set responsibilities. And we also have a special operations division and we have investigative services. Now, we have specialized units that fall within different bureaus, let's call them. Uh, and some of those are, are going to be a boat patrol, and we have a mounted patrol. We have bicycle units. Seen those out. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they love the streets of Indian Lake yeah. here. That's a good way for them to meet people. Yeah. We have a flex team. We have our own SWAT team, okay. and we're everything that a big city has, just in a little bit smaller package. Mm-hmm. I know with the with the lake and everything, what kind of issues that maybe you guys are facing out on the lake? Well, of course, the lake is a huge recreational draw for people, not mm-hmm. just from Hendersonville or Sumner County, but from all over the state, really. And one of the biggest concerns we have on the waterways is safety in general, but particularly BUI, boating yes. under the influence. Alcohol and, and the lake, under certain circumstances, and while under control and without uh, overdoing it, can make for an enjoyable day. 
but it's it's really difficult to gauge how much alcohol somebody can take in that hot sun all mm-hmm. day and still be okay to operate a boat safely. I would be scared to drive that lake because you could be going along. Next thing you know, you're in two inches of water, <laughs> and you got to know where you're going out there. You absolutely do. And we have two boats. We have one large boat, and we have one smaller boat. Uh, I'll save you the technical names of all of those, yeah, but yeah. you know, a, a large boat. Uh, the water, the amount of water that it takes to draft that, it can be a little bit more than some of those mud flats uh, <laughs> yeah. out there are holding. So we're limited as to where we can go in the larger boat, but we have a smaller boat uh, that we can maneuver around whenever we need to get in tight areas uh, yeah. to take care of business. Do you have a, have a dive team? We had a dive team at one time. However, we no longer have an active dive team. We rely on uh, our partnership with the Hendersonville Fire Department. Okay. They have a wonderful dive team. I did not know that. And no. uh, they also uh, have a, a boat, and they have resources. We have resources, and they're experts in a lot of things. And uh, their dive team has been really wonderful to work with. But like I say, you don't really need to dive. You just walk out in the lake. It's and only some, ankle deep. But <laughs> so, some places you can get away with that. There's a lot of places where you might hit that drop-off. Yeah. I always joke about that. but yeah. it's a, So in your uh, mounted patrol, how how many mounted officers do you have there? We have two full-time mounted officers. That's that's all they do. And we mm-hmm. have a couple that can do it on a part-time basis okay. if needed. And their main job is just exposure. Plus, you're a lot higher, so you can see things. So the, would they go in parking lots? I know they do events. Correct. They're mm-hmm. there for events. They also do routine patrols in, in our retail areas where you may have a lot of cars parked. Mm-hmm. The vantage point from the horse uh, is... A whole lot better than you know a short guy like me trying to stand <laughs> on the ground looking at stuff and it's a it's a wonderful tool to open up dialogue with the community with kids they love the horses mm-hmm. uh, even the adults they they love the horses but the mounted unit is it's not all just for looks it's not the proverbial dog and pony show yeah they serve a purpose by their elevated position, and they serve a purpose at those special events. A lot of people don't realize uh, how great that mounted unit can be if you're in a crowded situation where you may have some civil disobedience occurring. Mm-hmm. Those horses can move a lot of people yes, they can. <laughs> uh, in a short period of time. Yeah, yeah. So they have those abilities as well. You know, from from that standpoint, they're great. But I think from a PR standpoint, they're great as well because the kids love them. You know, the people just love seeing the officers on the horse. Right. Out at special events, particularly the Freedom Festival, Mm -hmm. wherever the horses are, there's going to be a line with kids (laughs) waiting to take pictures and pet the horses. And it's really... uh, a pleasure to just sit back and watch the happiness that that it brings to those kids. Yeah, and you know we've had uh, the, since COVID has kind of released. It's still there, but we've opened back up, and we've had a lot bigger events. You know, we had the Freedom Fest, we had the big concert, the Jay and Zeke uh, concert out in the park. We have Rock Castle having the huge events. I mean, the turnouts are just incredible. People are just wanting to get out and kind of enjoy things again. So I guess it's a, a great opportunity for the police department to make that that presence and anytime you have the you know large crowds you're going to have an occasional individual that wants to uh, disrupt things and that's always
ways possible. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think that that's our sole purpose at events is to just maintain the order. And there there is something to that. We mm-hmm. always have a plan. We are there to make sure that everyone enjoys their time safely. I view those events as those are like vacation days for me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I look forward to those days. To me, it's more about building relationships. It gives me a larger audience of people to meet uh, so that they know who we are and they can see us as as human beings that enjoy a good time just like they do. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really after the stifling period of COVID and people are, are letting their hair down a little bit now, it's really been uh, enjoyable to see how much people needed this type of recreation. They need these events to distract them, I guess, from the severity of the situation that we've been in yeah and you guys always have a great presence at these large events uh, freedom fest let's talk freedom fest it was a huge event great success and i don't think we really had any problems that i know of there were no issues whatsoever from a law enforcement <laughs> standpoint which is is really unusual you know we have a well-behaved crowd most of the time usually there's one or two incidents that take place within mm-hmm. the event this year there were more people than i've ever seen in the time I've been there, and we had zero events. Uh, of course, we have lost kids yeah. that show up, and we, yeah. we help to reunite them with their parents or friends. But there were no law enforcement events at this Freedom Festival, which is amazing considering mm-hmm. the number of people that Absolutely. were in there. I don't think we can actually target an actual number. <laughs> Because you're looking at all the way to the back, and they said, because we were inside the park, they didn't went all down Main Street. I mean, people were parked everywhere, probably in any kind of parking lot. I know at the at the middle school across the street that that was full. So we had a lot of people watching those fireworks. Right. I would say there's as many people outside the park spectating as yeah. there are inside the park. But the crowd inside the park was unbelievable yeah. this year. And they were so well behaved. They were so polite. They were so gracious. Uh, it was truly uh, humbling to be walking around in the park. And countless people would just walk up and they'd want to shake your hand or, or hug you even yeah. and say thank Great. you for your service. It was unbelievable this yeah. year. Other than that one incident, and we don't have to get into a lot of detail with it, but there was a, a guy with a microphone and little speaker kind of disrupting things. And I know people were probably saying, why doesn't the police department get rid of that guy? Without, again, going into great detail let's explain why you couldn't do anything sure it, it was disruptive considering that people were there uh, expecting uh, one type of venue and and someone interjected another yeah. activity within that uh, however that person was within their rights according to the state laws and the current city ordinances that are on the books so there was no avenue uh, of enforcement or uh legitimate reason for us to be able to intervene in that scenario yeah and i again it's just something was unexpected i don't think anybody knew that was coming uh because i know the chamber was was trying to get involved and say what's this what's going on but again uh knowing that your hands are tied you can't there's not a whole lot you can do unless a crime has been committed well sure and in the in the big picture of things, uh, although it, it was disruptive to the organized event that was going on, it is the Freedom Festival, and the reason our hands were tied was so that gentleman could say his piece. Yeah. And I don't know that 
that we can call that a bad thing. It was a demonstration of the freedoms that we enjoy Absolutely. in this country, yeah. as disruptive or annoying as it may be. It it was a demonstration of the freedoms, and there was no involvement from law enforcement to interject. There, it was not a a thought to well, we're going to step on this. Because we can. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a testament to the uh, restraint and patience that our law enforcement officers have mm-hmm. as well. Because it would be easy enough to escort someone out in that manner. Mm-hmm. But it would have been a violation of his rights yeah. as the current statutes are written. Absolutely. But other than that, I mean, the, the entire festival, I think, was a huge success. And I, I have to give you guys kudos. Every year, you know, everybody, oh, get out of here early because the traffic is going to be amazing. It's amazing how fast everybody can exit. Because you guys have got this plan that's just amazing to get people funneled in the right directions and get them out quickly. I, I like to think that we learn every year <laughs> yes. and we improve every year. Uh, this year was exceptionally fast for mm-hmm. the number of people that were there. I'm sure that there were folks that felt like, well, I've had to sit here too long and I should be moving faster. Mm-hmm. It was a record time for us to have the crowd cleared out of that park. And I think that's a culmination of the hard work that the chamber puts in on their end as far as organizing and and laying down the rules so that we're able to keep people safe and we're able to expedite an exit after the event. Yeah. Well, I think in any of these events, you know, we got Taste of Hendersonville coming up. we got Sumner Fest coming up here in August. Other huge events that are going to be happening, and you, you'll have the, the presence there. And I love it when you bring in the command bus. <laughs> That's kind of cool. I like it. It, it is, <laughs> and we, we work hard to keep that thing going. Uh, it's really a uh, necessity whenever you're talking about large events. That is uh, our command post. Sure. We coordinate with other agencies. You don't always see the coordination and you don't always see the other agencies that are involved but having that command post on scene enables us to have immediate communication with all aspects of law enforcement and additional resources that we may need during one of those events not being serious here which i'm never serious <laughs> so when are we starting our drone division we have a drone see i knew that so hendersonville is great <laughs> We somewhat have a drone division that falls under our special operations. Okay. It is something that the restrictions in the use of drones has been evolving for the last couple of years. The regulations for those have been evolving. Yeah. So it's something that is still, I guess you would say, it's in an experimental stage. Uh, however... We have utilized the drone successfully in operations oh, yeah. where it was absolutely needed. We well, have these rural areas, and sometimes you can't get back in there. You just th- throw a drone over there, and that's not invasion of privacy or any kind of statutory things, right? If you're going over a property, you know, checking the area before you, it's like a recon. It depends on the scenario that you have. You if don't need a search warrant for that. I if think. we're in a public area, okay. uh, we're okay. Right. If we're if we're going to be in an area where you're flying over someone's private property, yeah, we're going to have to have a search oh, warrant. Interesting. That's good to know, and it it's, makes sense though. <laughs> and that's that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. The law is constantly evolving in regards to that because it's somewhat new. And you have to figure out how to balance, you know, the the individual's rights versus our need in particular situations for use of that yeah. type of equipment. Well, I think you're, you're probably getting a lot of great support from the representatives in Nashville. You know, the, the politicians are 
or probably pro law enforcement and helping you guys out, I, I would hope. Sure. We've seen a lot of uh, good legislation come out uh, this year, uh, one with the Spencer Bristol Act, mm-hmm. which increases the penalty for uh, incidents where an officer is pursuing someone and they're, they're hurt or uh, killed. Yeah. It's, it's a definite increase in penalty. Yeah. Well, I was I was glad to, to see that one come across. Right, and that's just one of a few. There are a lot more obscure bills out there that have come through mm-hmm. that are favorable to law enforcement. Uh, one in particular involves uh, our ability to go into other jurisdictions and make arrests mm-hmm. and be protected the same as if we oh, were wow. in our that's, own jurisdiction. That's awesome. It, you know, it is. You know how it's valuable great, that is. <laughs> it's a, a very... Very huge improvement because the criminals don't see county lines. They don't see city limits right. other than as a way to escape prosecution. Yeah. So if you erase those lines for us and and we're able to go after those criminals that are maybe in Nashville that committed crimes up here, yeah. Yeah. has a great deterrent effect. Absolutely. Well, Scott, our time's uh, come to an end. I want to uh, thank uh, Chief Mickey Miller and your, you and the department for a great job you're doing. Keep up the good work and the community supports you and i'm just glad we were able to spend this time together sure i appreciate the opportunity to be here it's been very enjoyable thank you very much and we'll be right back after these words FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. All right. Welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight on this uh, Sunday morning. This is Jeff Shannon, and uh, so nice to have you along here. And we've got a couple special guests in the studio. And I want to introduce, uh, start off with Joe Rewas. He's he's the uh, general manager of the Hendersonville Utility District. That's and, right. That's right. Thanks for having me. Well, we hey, I appreciate you taking the time because I know how busy it is uh, out there. And, you know, we got John Warner in here. He's the water plant supervisor out at the water plant. <laughs> in an undisclosed location somewhere on the lake <laughs> floating out there <laughs> so joe start to tell us about yourself and how long you uh have been the gm over there and how long have you been with the with the company sure thanks jeff uh Actually, I've been around since uh, 2006. Started out as the accountant, uh, worked my way, got my CPA in about four and a half years ago. Uh, I was lucky enough to be tabbed as the fourth general manager in uh, Hendersonville Utility District history. Wow. The utility has been around since 1948, and uh, up till this point, uh, we had three GMs. Uh, it was Bill Cole followed by Jim Richardson, followed by Tom Ashley, and then myself. Look at you. So what attracted you to this uh, business? Uh, well, first of all, it was the accounting side. Oh, yeah. uh, I always had the numbers, but uh, it's it's kind of different being at a uh, utility district. It's more of a service company. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're a public service. We have to provide water, uh, sewer services to everybody inside of our boundaries. And just to be clear, it's not part of the city government. No. And uh, that's a very, uh, very easily misunderstood company differentiation. Hendersonville Utility District was actually formed 
prior to the city of Hendersonville being formed. We are a state-governed and managed uh, utility district. There are uh, TCA rules for all utility districts. Mm-hmm. We have to go through that. You know, everything goes through the comptroller, just like the city does. But uh, we are completely separate. We are a nonprofit. Uh, we have a three-member board. and Well, that keeps it simple. Yeah. Yeah, it's a three-member board, so you don't have several different, you know, mindsets to go through. And, you know, you you still have to have board meetings, but they're all business-minded. We don't don't make anything political. We just go in and what we have to do to get the water there, keep it at a reasonable cost. Always try to have service going 100% of the time. Yeah, so what are the, the services that the utility district offers? Okay, as far as what we offer as a water wastewater utility, we uh, have our own water treatment facility, and we have distribution lines to distribute that water to all the customers, and then we also have a collection system. We do not treat wastewater. Okay. We pump that through several pump stations. I think we have 112 pump stations wow. for sewer, and that all goes to Metro Nashville to be treated in their Dry Creek plant. That's crazy. <laughs> I don't think people understand all that. That's, yeah. that. that's pretty wild. But as far as the water goes, we're, we're getting water from somewhere. That's why yeah. we're by a lake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have a abundant supply of water. Old Hickory Lake, obviously, city by the lake. Yes. That's where everybody's water comes from. Yeah. But uh, if you go look at the lake, slightly different coloration than what you get when you open your tap. And Let's hope. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Something's wrong and give us a call if there is anything close to the color of, of the lake. So over the years, I mean, technology changes. For sure. And I guess you guys had to adapt to all the different things that have come about and, and, and poss- in a positive way, I guess, to, to help treat water and help make it even better than before. Yeah. Uh, there are new regulations that come out. I wouldn't say daily. I would, wouldn't hardly say monthly, but as far as yearly, uh, for sure. The uh, TDEC uh, regulates a lot of that's the mm-hmm. Tennessee Department of Energy and Conservation. Energy and Conservation. Okay. Uh, it's also drinking water. You got uh, EPA involved. Uh, several other factors fall into that. But as regulations grow, you may have to change the way you treat the water. Because uh, back when this happened, back in 1948, uh, we may have had a, a sand filter type situation i can't remember exactly how it was back in the day mm-hmm. but but you have to remove certain contaminants and as more contaminants are created by industry yeah. and it gets into the lake water yeah. we have to take those out before it can get passed on to the customer so do we have a, a lead issue up here uh we do not have a lead issue we do have to follow lead guidelines uh everybody knows the lead situation in the northeast yeah that's because of the way it was put into the ground there are inhibitors uh that you can add to the water that will keep corrosion out there is lead in several several different types of pipe fittings uh more used in certain time frames Mm -hmm. Uh, that's why they're really focusing on the age of the pipes when they were put in uh most of that was a little bit before we started yeah hopefully 
uh, we haven't had an issue, <laughs> and it shouldn't come up. We yeah. we use a lot Hopefully. of ductile iron. Yeah. And, Since you've taken over the helm here, what are some of the changes that you've uh, instituted and helped make things run better? Well, uh, <laughs> I took over four and a half years ago, and we were a fairly well-oiled machine. I can't say that we had many things broken. That's good. Uh, we uh, I inherited a good system. Uh, my predecessor uh, really worked on you know improving facilities, improving your infrastructure, and I'm a financially driven person. That's my background, and that's what I focus on. So uh, my mindset coming in was let's keep everything running. Let's figure out a way to kind of you know not waste money. Let's put it put the dollars, make them work yep. correctly, mm-hmm. uh, and let's get some of our infrastructure moving again, you know, get rid of the old stuff, replace it. We've got some water lines being reconditioned, rehabbed right now Mm -hmm. in the oldest part of town. That's over by campus and stadium. Uh, We've also got some sewer lines being fixed. Are you involved with all that piping that's going right there on by City Hall and all that? We are. What Uh, what is that? That is, uh, what you can see on top of the ground is actually a bypass sewer line. Oh, okay. Uh, All of those ramps, that is a flat Patent round line if you want to. That's as generic as you can make it because Mm -hmm. that sewer, uh, the sewer water is going through those ramps through those pipes it's bypassing the section that we have to replace okay. that that pipe in the ground was a 16 inch ductile iron sewer line and we had to make a small repair and that small repair turned into a slightly bigger repair which turned into a much larger repair that line was put in in the 70s yeah. and you could almost stick your hand through it and it wow. was ductile iron uh you could just Amazing. poke a hole the ground was holding it together and uh we're we're doing a rehab through the process of pipe bursting. So we don't actually have to dig the hole to put the pipe in. Right. We actually, uh, it's kind of like running conduit and running a new wire through the conduit. Okay. You're pulling the new pipe through the old pipe and it bursts the side and it just kind of expands it mm-hmm. and puts the new one inside of the old one. Wow, that's great technology. So, I never thought yeah. of that. Just having to redig in all this ground. I mean, you're digging in yeah. rock most of the time. Yeah, so. a lot of rock. And if we didn't do the bypass with the ramps, uh, we would have to shut down Anderson Lane, shut down Maple Road, shut down yeah. in front of Lowe's. Uh, I, in fact, I went over that one uh, yeah. yesterday morning. I go, well, that's that was there last time I went through. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's great. So what are the things that you foresee? What is your vision for the future for the for the district? Sure. What I have in my mind, I've got a few years to go. I'm still young, so I've got you, a... You, youngster, I'm, you. I've got a lot of years, <laughs> and uh, my goal is uh, we, have, we have several customers back on away from Main Street on the back ends of Peninsula, you know, kind of near the lake that have never had sewer. Uh, we have 3,500 customers that still don't have it and it's expensive to put in yeah but it's one of those things that i'd like to get done before i retire get rid of septic yeah yeah try to get rid of septic i know a lot of people would love to have sewer that are on septic in that area but it's just you can't just do small sections at a time you kind of have to have a big chunk and hendersonville is a bunch of rock it is (laughs) so i I know that i think uh my goal would be to have everybody on sewer and for us to be out of debt 
and turn it over at that sure. point and say, you know, the one thing that you said earlier, I thought it was quite interesting that you're a nonprofit. Yeah. I mean, is that usually how the utility districts are? I mean, most uh, of them are not every one of them. Okay. There are, there are actually several, but not as many in Tennessee. It hasn't been around a lot. A lot of gas companies are for profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other like water utilities, I think maybe American Water might be one that's for profit. They can actually have shareholders and s- distribute funds. But for the most part, utility districts are there and governed by the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the for profit ones have a governed like kind of situation. It's there, but it's yeah. slightly different set of rules. Okay. Well, that's, I learned something today because yeah. I had no idea that was that thing. Here's your, your final question. What the heck does that big water tower do? What, <laughs> I, I say they build this thing up. What does it do? You put a, you fill it with – most people think you fill the thing with water. Yeah. No, actually, it is uh, the entire base, and it did look funny when somebody was out there. As it was being built, there were so many conspiracy theories on what that was, uh, you, you, you know – what are we building? Yeah. Uh, it, it was a very interesting uh, process uh, with the concrete base and then the metal top. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's actually a one and a half million gallon water tank. So and there's water in there. There is oh, water okay. in there, all in the top. There's no water in the okay. concrete base. So there's a pipe that goes down in the middle of it? Or is that what, what it it's is? It actually goes along the edges. There's one pipe in, one pipe out, okay. and we fill it, and then it gravity feeds that system. So, so it's just... For- more pressure so it, people have water pressure pressure and volume okay. uh, right. just so that there's more that's our furthest northeast tank uh, we do have nine tanks john yes yes yeah have, that, yes. we've got nine tanks around the system and that one yes. uh, we put out there for you know saundersville road is developing uh, yes. we wanted to make sure that the water was there before it became an issue. Yeah. Uh, we we put the cart before the horse, if that's the right saying. Yeah. Well, I have to say it's it's a great looking tower. Yeah. I mean, it's remember the old you know the globe kind of ugly looking things, but that's you know pretty cool. And of course, everybody wants to put a tower on it. Yep. <clears throat> Not us. <laughs> we didn't ask. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it is great looking. That's for sure. So listen, we're going to be right back. And we're going to talk more, and we're going to jump over to John Warner. He's the water plant supervisor, and wait till you hear what he's got to say. And I know, I know, Joe's sitting over here going, "We're going to learn something from him every time we we talk to him." That's for sure. So listen, we'll be right back with more of Sumner County Spotlight. FNM Bank presents Sumner County Spotlights. Since 1906, FNM Bank has been serving Middle Tennessee with first-class products and services. Visit them today at 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville or myfmbank.com. All right, welcome back to Sumner County Spotlight. Uh, we've been talking with Joe Rewas, General Manager of the Hendersonville Utility District, and I understand, uh, you know, COVID kind of affected, I think, probably every facet of our lives, and you you started a new program. I guess COVID possibly caused that, but uh, tell us about that. I think it's quite interesting. Uh, actually, we, we had to, like everybody, have to have a little bit of virtual, have to have a little bit in person, try to separate as much as possible, but we instituted a new uh, software program called WaterSmart. Uh, it was a customer service portal that uh, every customer can actually 
log in, create an account, do all your online paying, and even set up leak alerts. You can say, well, if I have usage during these hours, send me a text, mm-hmm. send me an email, you know, something like that. Or if I use more than, if my bill ever gets over 2,000 gallons, okay, send me a notification. Nice. And w- that automatically happens. The software is so uh, detailed that it can it can see that based on a history if you go over your normal pattern yeah it says hey this this customer might have a leak mm-hmm. and we push leak notifications oftentimes it's you know when the summer comes and they're filling up a pool but <laughs> you know at the same yeah. time our customer service group is great we pride ourselves on answering a phone call uh it's a person. When you call us, we pick up the phone. You can hear our voices. I like that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we do have some some digital platforms where we have to transfer a call to take a credit card, mm-hmm. uh, something like that, do an online. Yeah. But, I mean, this, this WaterSmart, it's... It's been yeah. great for COVID. Uh, people just have to jump on it and for feel sure. comfortable with it because it's. When, I think when you start using these kinds of things, it makes your life a lot easier. For I sure. mean, it's all right there at your hand. Well, that's a great service to have. So kudos to that. All right, John. We got John Warner right here, and John. Now let me tell you, he's the water plant supervisor. Wait till you hear him speak. He's got so much information, and John, I know we can probably go on for an hour or two, but I know you've got the information. So uh, let's start off. Tell us what you do there and what is the purpose of this plant. Yes, my name is John Warner. I'm the superintendent of the Hendersonville Utility District and have been so since August 2007. I lead a crew of 10, and we provide safe, potable drinking water for the citizens of Hendersonville. I started my career with the district June 20th, 1996. But, Jeff, for all your listeners, let me take you down memory lane a little bit. In the 60s and 70s, there was a 3 million gallon facility on Saunders Ferry Road, and it was made of wheels, much like the captain of a ship, and it was glass, and it was really, really state-of-the-art. It was a three million gallon facility. And it serviced everybody for the 60s through the 60s and yeah. 70s. Late 60s and 70s, as Hendersonville grew, they commissioned a brand new water plant. And it's in its current location. And in June of 1984, that plant was commissioned. And at the time, it was a conventional treatment plant at 4 million gallons in June of 1984, 12 years before I ever came along. Well, Jeff, as you know, Hendersonville in the 80s started to grow and grow and grow. So that existing plant was remodeled and existed from 4 MGD to 8. So everybody was happy. Now we doubled capacity. Mm-hmm. 1989. I'm still not there seven years later. So we're running an 8 MGD facility. It's beautiful. It's going along great. The 90s came. Hendersonville experienced the boom. We did have the little recession in 92, but the citizenship started to grow. People like Hendersonville. The water plant was trugging along. I'm I'm there. I come in in June 20th, 1996 as a midnight operator. I've worked the midnights from June of 96 to August of 2001. And I got promoted to daytime supervisor. And the rest is history. So 2001 is where I became. That was my first promotion. Now I'm daytime supervisor under Mark Bamberg. And while we're just talking about the water plant, I'm one of the privileged, and I mean privileged few, that have had the opportunity to work with Mr. Cole, Mr. Richardson, Mr. Ashley. 
and Mr. Joe Wheat were right here on my side, the four yeah. people who sat in the chair of general manager. Mm-hmm. So we're running right along. Mark gets promoted. I get promoted in August of 2007 to my current position of superintendent. So I've, no, it's hard to believe. Wow. 14 years. <laughs> well, lo and behold, Jeff, 2007, the plant now is 23 years old and we have a drought situation. That 8 million gallon plant was running 8 million gallons a day for almost the entire summer. Mm-hmm. Now, if you try to flatline an engine and go run a car at 160, you'll blow it. That 24-year-old plant in 2007 ran 100%, but it also opened the eyes of Mr. Atchley and the Board of Commissioners, maybe 8 MGD isn't enough. We need to think about something state-of-the-art. The choices were this, Jeff. We could have expanded the old plant conventional treatment to 12 million gallons, or we could build a brand new one, state-of-the-art. The commissioners and Mr. Ashley said, we'll build a brand new one. We'll make it state-of-the-art. So Hendersonville was light years, light years ahead of everybody else. What year was that? That was the commissioning we were searching in 2010. Okay. Here we go. <clears throat> August 26th, 2014, we opened the doors to the beautiful, present, mm-hmm. state-of-the-art facility that I have the privilege and pleasure to work with now. And it's gorgeous. Oh, it is. And it we fits, have, it, you think it was a house. I mean, it fits I, right in with the neighborhood. I hope the listeners understand what I'm about to say. You can go to other water plants in other parts of the country, and you will see the equipment we have under our roof. You will not see it all under one roof. You will not see dissolved air flotation. You will not see pore membranes. You will not see granularly activated carbon beds, UV radiation. We wow. make <laughs> our own chlorine gas risk management program. We take care of our operators for safety reasons. Mm-hmm. And we bottle our own water. I always save the best for last. But that's a lot about the plant and a lot about me. But the crew, that's important. I do tours, yes. I've been there 25 years. It's hard to believe quarter of a century. Water, Jeff, is not, it's not an infinite commodity. It's a finite commodity. But you know what our most precious commodity is, Jeff? What's that? The children. Yes. Tomorrow. Yeah. The future who come in. And ask the questions, because from those children, they're going to replace old guys like me. So I get a charge and a thrill out of the tours to educate the public. Now you say, well, why does an operator have to educate the public? In the 60s and 70s, an operator's job was one thing. Add chemicals to the water, go about your business. Mm That all changed. We now have to educate the public. We have to be well-versed in speaking. We also have to understand customers and their complaints. They they represent our constituents, and they represent the community. So an operator nowadays has to be diligent, not in just what he's making, but who he's talking to on the phone with. I have the privilege and pleasure of working with a utility district that, for instance, a customer doesn't call me. It starts at the main office. It starts with our billing office. It starts with the young ladies up in customer service. I get the calls, but the main office in Hendersonville, we're all part of a team. I don't take credit in that. I give it out to my guys. I give it out to the team. I give it out to Mr. Rewa. They allow us the latitude and longitude to make the best product possible. And you do. I, I got to say that. I mean, I've had water all of this is the greatest so you're doing something right well it's it's all about teamwork it's chemistry yeah. if you believe in something and you get a group of people believing in you you can make you can make anything happen mm-hmm. and that's what we've done i want you to think about something and for your listeners out there who have any background in water treatment how do you go about taking 30 and 40 and 50 year old operators who are used to conventional treatment and now expect them to learn a state-of-the-art plan and they have to forget everything they ever learned about water treatment process mm-hmm. we did it and we did it 
associated with flying colors. Another thing that's very important, August 26th at 10.09 in the morning, 2014, we didn't run the old plant concurrently with the new plant. We shut the old plant down, and we started making water immediately. (laughs) Crazy. (laughs) Everything was live. That is amazing. It is, when you look back at it, at yeah. seven years ago. It'll be seven years ago this August. So in 2010, when the when the flood happened, how did that affect you all at, at all? Great question. Yeah. Uh, if you come down to the plant, you'll still see a water line. Wow. It was approximately two and a half feet below the raw water intake. That's Another great. two and a half yeah. feet, we would have been shut down. Wow. It'll got to be lucky. Well, yes, you do. Our world water intake extends uh, 70 yards, 210 feet out. It's 18 feet down. And it's a, it's a very, and it's still in operation to this day. Yeah. Many people don't yeah. know that. That is servicing the old and the new plant concurrently. So what have, what have we learned from the, the flood in 2010? That in 1975 in Nashville, when they did the first original 100-year flood, when the engineers told Nashville, mm-hmm. this could happen to you. Take heed. Listen to the engineers. Mm-hmm. Listen and be advised. And uh, since then, we also have emergency connections with, okay. with, with our neighboring utilities in some areas. And thank goodness, Jeff, we haven't had to open the emergency connection. Thanks. Yes, for sure. <laughs> That's the vision of Mr. Rewer and the Board of Commissioners. Yeah. I've got the best job in the district. Um, I get to talk to people every day. It's 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 nice. I can do money. I can do paperwork. But we make the people feel important. And you what know one of do. the great things that you all do is you're so involved in the community. Great community supporters. You know, I know the chamber appreciates that. The city appreciates the, the things. We have these events and things like that. And you, you guys are just incredible how you support the, the community. I don't think a lot of water districts will say that, but I, I don't know. But it would seem that, that that Hendersonville really has a tight-knit group of people here, and people all love this community. We, we've tried to make bottled water available upon request when we can mm-hmm. um, to, to Hendersonville for certain events, a great relationship with, with different departments, mm-hmm. and it just depends on the events and how, how it's structured. And we just try to become a presence, a quiet presence in any event that, that somebody yeah. may be hosting. Yeah. And it's it's one of the, the joys of having a new state-of-the-art water plant. But Absolutely. again, it, it all goes back to the Board of Commissioners, Mr. Ashley, and then Joe Rewa's support. They enabled the vision to, to take place. Mm-hmm. And, and it is a state-of-the-art facility, one which we're very proud of. What do you see, I mean, coming up, some of the new advances uh, in, in technology? Have we started seeing any of that coming? Because I know it's always changing. I mean, technology always changes. Do we have anything in place uh, going forward? Technology-wise, not so much, but the EPA constantly is testing for new contaminant byproducts. Yeah. PFAS in the water, plastics, pharmaceuticals, educating the, uh, medicating the public with, with things. So they're constantly coming up with new guidelines lines, lowering thresholds of uh, maximum contaminant levels. But our water plant was designed to handle that and more. I, uh, I, I feel very confident. It was it was built ahead of its time, and um, we're just grateful because now you look around the country and you see a lot of other areas that are struggling with good potable water. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Nobody nobody had the foresight or the wisdom to think of it. And they, there was a thing that I heard is you you really shouldn't flush medications because that is not a good thing to to do. <laughs> Is that true? No, that's definitely true. We uh, we do have a no flush list, and uh, medication is one of them. Uh, also, flushable wipes; those are biodegradable, but they do clog uh, some of those uh, <laughs> pump stations, uh, the smaller ones. It's not you know, not a good thing. Yeah, with the toilet paper shortage, yeah. uh, we saw an a increase lot. in that. <laughs> 
I would not want to be cleaning that up. <laughs> hey, listen, guys, we're, we're just out of time. But you know what? We're going to have to have you come back, uh, talk more about this, because it's just, I think it's very fascinating, and I think people need to understand what is being offered. And I think we take it a lot for granted. You know, they just, well, turn on the fire. Water's just supposed to be there. Well, you know, we just, if they knew what goes behind making all this happen, I think they'd be very impressed. But I think both of you guys, you're, you're doing an awesome job. And John is the greatest PR person right here. We've been talking with Joe Rewa, the general manager over at Hendersonville Utility District, and John Warner. He's the water plant supervisor uh, right here in Hendersonville. So, guys, thank you so much. And that's, uh, well, pretty much going to wrap it up for Summer County Spotlight for this Sunday morning. Uh, this is Jeff Shannon. I hope you'll join us uh, next Sunday morning. If you missed this broadcast, it's going to be on our podcast page at whinradio.com uh, starting Monday morning. And uh, just go to whinradio.com, look for podcast and Sumner County Spotlight. So that's going to wrap it up. We'll check you next time. So long. Sumner County Spotlight on 100.7 WHIN 1010 AM has been brought to you exclusively by F&M Bank, 221 Indian Lake Boulevard in Hendersonville. Whether you need personal banking, banking for your business, a home mortgage, or considering refinancing your home, F&M Bank will provide you with excellent service right here in Sumner County. Visit them today at myfmbank.com. Sumner County Spotlight will return next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening.